Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the Classroom 33 podcast. I'm Pastor Dustin here with Steve Prudian, and today we are in Job, and uh, we're actually going to be in Job 31. And if you were thinking that we transposed that in the title, thinking we were still going to be in Job 13, uh, I'm sorry. That's not a transposition. We are actually going to be jumping from 13 to 31 and skipping a whole chunk of the book, but uh, we'll get to more of that in a minute here. Steve, how are you this week? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for asking, Dustin. How about Dustin? Uh, Dustin is doing just okay. All right. That's an honest answer. <laughs> it is It is an honest answer. It. Uh, it's not been my favorite week so far, and unfortunately, I think it's going to kind of kind of continue that way, but uh, we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about the book, the good book. You know what's interesting? What's that? Sometimes if things are too good, we forget to pray. Uh, yeah. But sometimes, but sometimes when we have our, we're met with our own inadequacies. Mm-hmm. The only thing we have left is to do is pray. To pray, yeah. Well, let's just say I'm not forgetting to pray this week. And uh, and let's get into Job. So, in Job 13, we've got um, his response to Zophar. And we've been through... A couple of these responses already. And some people have come at him at two runs at a time, Adam. Yep. So they've been coming at him. He's been responding and asserting his innocence. That's what we talked a lot about last week. But the arguments always yep. remains the same with all three friends. Yep. Because they've already developed, um, they've developed actually a list of offenses that they're basically throwing at Job hoping that he'll confess to one of them. Right. Yeah, if you throw enough stuff at the wall, maybe something will stick. Yeah, and these these friends, I would consider them just a drip. Because they keep dripping on them the same stuff. Different speaker, same stuff. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a figurative waterboarding is mm-hmm. uh, kind of what they're doing to him. Actually... Um, my background in police and police work and investigation, um, this would not fly. Actually, this type of interrogation of a person, uh, would be considered coercive and it would not pass muster in court. The whole thing would be thrown out. If Job, if Job can, if Job does break down and confess to anything, which we know he doesn't, but if Job breaks down, that confession is void. Do you know what we've thought about in the beginning of Job? Yep. Job is sorely afflicted in almost every way by Satan. Yes. Had you ever thought that maybe Job's friends were agents of Satan, and now they're coming at him and afflicting him in a different way? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Yep. Be careful the company you keep. Well, that's always true. Um, Good times and bad. Um, 
but yeah, they certain they certainly seem to be part of the test. And the text doesn't particularly say that, but what's interesting is in the first couple of chapters, you've got Job's first test. How he loses everything, right? The the sheep, the goats, the camels, his children, all of the livestock, all of the crops, everything is destroyed. Um, that's test number one. Didn't that's, work. that's that's the subtitle. That's the subtitle heading in my in my Bible. It says Job's first test. And then it says Job's second test, mm-hmm. where he's afflicted physically. Yes, and boils from head to toe, and struck with sickness, and brought just to the brink of the death, and uh, also ostracized. Also ostracized, and um, what's interesting is you bring up the friends and. Were they, were they just acting? They're a third test. The friends are the third test. Who and would... just and I'm and I'm just and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking about that. Actually, I was thinking about that quite a bit this morning when I was reading. Um, because we've compared Job to Jesus on several occasions, and how he is an archetype. Mm-hmm. And there isn't a third test listed in my book, so I'm looking for it. I'm looking, and we found it. It's his friends. His friends are test number three. Jesus was tested with three different things in the desert, and Job's being tested with losing all of everything material in his life, losing his health, and now he's got his friends turned on him. Do you know what his friends were taking from him? His dignity. His dignity, his integrity, his very character. Yep. Okay, they were basically stripping him to the bone. It's a character assassination. It is. It is. It's a uh, political campaign. (laughs) Well, let's not go there. (laughs) All right, we won't go there. Um, So, but this, uh, this is a pattern that repeats. We see it. There's an accusation, an assertion of innocence, back and forth and back and forth. And there's not a whole lot in this type of a setting. Um, there's that, no conclusion. There's, there's not a lot to glean from the repetition of it in the setting of a Sunday school class. What's, what's going to end up happening is we're going to get bored with it, right? So... That's part of the reason, and also, um, you've got a deadline. Our Sunday the church school, our, has a deadline. The church, I, I have no deadlines. You've been, <laughs> I'll rephrase, you've been given a deadline, Steve. Yes. You've been given a deadline. Your Sunday school class is going to come to an end for the summer season. and uh, That doesn't mean I'm not doing something else. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're not doing something else, but uh, my understanding is that you want to you finish Job before we get there. Yes, Actually, the reason we're in the 31st chapter of Job, Mm -hmm. because we can do more chapters of more browbeating of the same person with the same repeatable offenses. Yep. But the thing is, is that we're going to have the same conclusion. The same conclusion is, is, is Job saying, I don't have the answer to you guys. Right. 
And he says, you guys can think whatever you want of me, mm-hmm. but I know where I stand. Right. And where I stand as I stand innocent, mm-hmm. unless God himself convicts me, okay, and convinces me or reminds me, okay, that if I have done anything that would offend him, he says, then he says, I'll deal directly with God. Okay. Right. And we'll take care of this. You guys, thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. He's literally fed up. And so at the end of Job 31, it has a little note and it says, and this is the last time that Job spoke to his friends. Yep. I think I mentioned to you, I did mention to you when I first came in that in reading this book, I came to a conclusion. Even though Job seems to be the main character of the book. Right. The reality is he's only one of three main characters. Right. And who did you say the other two main characters were? The other two main characters are the accuser, Satan, or the the, uh, opposer, the opposer, um, and then God. And then God. Yep. Well, we know one thing, okay? Ultimately, we know because God is infallible, mm-hmm. and he is, in, he is perfect in every way. Right. God never loses. No. Okay, so now we have two other characters. We have Satan, a creation of God. Yep. But a creation decide, that decided to betray God. Right. And then we have Job, a creation of God. Mm-hmm. And up to now, based upon what God says about him, that he's blameless and upright. Yep. The Job actually has better character qualities than Satan does. You know, I'm going to say, I was just thinking about that while you were talking. There's uh, there's kind of a parallel here between Job and Satan. Because as an angel, Lucifer was very blessed. And he had more knowledge than Job did. He, absolutely he did. But he had great favor from God, just like Job does. Job has God's favor. Lucifer had God's favor. What's interesting is where that parallel breaks. Because part of this, I think, is Satan is jealous. Because he is seeing Job receiving the favor of God that he used to have. The difference is, Satan sins against God and loses God's favor. And he is cast out because of it. And all these, you know, bad things start happening to him. He's afflicted. He he lost everything. And so now you've got Job who hasn't truly lost God's favor, but he's getting the punishment like he had. And he still won't sin. He still will not do as his wife told him very early on, just curse God and die. 
So do you want to be a man after Satan or a man after Job? I want to be a man after God, but of the two, of the two, I would choose Job. And the reality is that's the kind of life that we can expect. We can expect to be afflicted. We can expect to go through some of the things that Job is going through. And on occasion, somebody goes through all of it. Should we tell people about where you can find the true life of Job? And where's that? Well, since we're not going to have a podcast on it. Okay. Okay. We should let people know where they can find out who Job really is. Who Job was. Who Job was. Yep. Well, wait a second. Do you think that Job is a was or do you think he still is? In the context of the story, he still is. He still is. Right. But like we talked about a little bit ago, because you're you're in reference to um, Job chapter 29. Yes, I am. Which is just a little bit before this, and uh, Job is listing out... Um, his life. His life. His life. He is, you know... Like you said, it's an epitaph of epic proportions. I mean, it is... If we could have half of that, we'd be happy. I... Yeah. It's uh, 25 verses, and he says a whole lot of things, and he's reading out all the different things, you know? Um the young stepped aside and they saw me, and even the aged rose in respect at my coming. Princes stood in silence and put their hands over their mouths. The highest officials of the city stood quietly holding their tongues in respect. That's something. Do you I mean, that's, know? That's the kind of man he was before. That's, that's where he was at before the affliction came. Do you know that when you read the section that you just read? Mm-hmm. That behavior, okay, of the men in the city was the behavior that they gave to people that were considered priests of God, that represented Mm -hmm. God. So when they saw Job, they knew who he walked with. They knew who he believed in. Right. They knew who he stood for. And so they just stood in awe, in silence, because they had no words to be able to address him in the same honor that he had before God. Right. Right. But then, uh, but chapter 9 is followed by chapter, or chapter 29 is followed by chapter 30. And then 31. And then 31. And chapter 30... He's describing where he is now, and it opens with, uh, but now I am mocked by people younger than I, by young men whose fathers are not worthy to run with my sheepdogs. And who did that happen to besides Job, the other J in the Bible? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, Jesus was mocked. Very much so, by people who uh, 
actually he was he was mocked by people who uh, would have by the by the Jews of the time those that mocked Jesus would have been the only some of the only people that they deemed worthy as slaves to wash people's feet. <laughs> he was mocked by the lowest of the absolute low. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm very ineloquent in saying that, but... Um, so yeah, now Job is being mocked by the lowest, by the bottom echelon of society. And then we get to 31. Why am I here? This is where I started. This is where I'm at. Why is this happening? You say, Bildad. We got to go back a few chapters, but we know he's still talking to Bildad. He says, why has this happened? You said it's because I've done this. And he's kind of doing the whole, uh, well, if, if I did it or if I said it, you know, let God strike me dead right now. Uh-huh. That's what right? he's saying. He's, he's saying, let, let this bad stuff happen to me. He says, I'll take the punishment. I'll take it. I'll take it. If I he done... says, I'll even name what the punishment is for the crime. Yeah. If I raised my hand against an orphan. Mm-hmm. Let my arm be ripped out of its that's socket. One of, that's one of them. That's one of them. That's, that's right. That kind of stands out. Like it's a one, little graphic. I like, I like the one they did about his wife. Yeah. Yeah. If I've lusted after another woman, yeah. let my wife go off with another can, guy. Yeah. That's right. She could leave. Yeah. Let her leave. <laughs> let her go. Um, but it's all... Now, this this chapter... He might be angry, and he might be crossing the line. I told you, I think he's basically knows that he is done talking. This is his concluding statements to his three friends, yep. or whatever they are. Okay, and at this point in time, what he's doing is he's throwing what they've accused him of back in their faces. Yep. And he's saying, it's it's. can I go through the categories? Yes. Okay. Without having to read the whole chapter, the categories that they're accusing, the friends are accusing Job of, is one, the fact that that he is guilty of lust. Yep. Okay. He is guilty of, of inhuman treatment to others. Right. Okay. He is guilty for having wrong motives by serving materialism. What's in it for him? Mm-hmm. He's guilty of worshiping false gods. Yep. And he's most of all guilty of unconfessed sins, hiding his sins before God and man. Yep. And in each one of these, Job is saying, okay, if I had done that, then this is the punishment I deserve. If I done that, then this is the punishment I deserve. And he didn't deny any of those things. But at the end of the chapter, what he's going to say is the only person who conclusively show me what I've done wrong mm-hmm. and not have an opinion of what, about I, what I might have done wrong 
is God himself. Right. And I think I pointed out to you, to me, the key verse was verse 23. Now, you have a different version than I have, but would you read your version, and I'll tell you what I thought is said from the Living Bible that I basically read from. Okay. Yeah, and he's he's gone through several of these things and said, well, if I did that, let this happen. And he says in verse 23, that would be better than facing God's judgment. For if the majesty of God opposes me, what hope is there? What hope is there? So I took and I wrote that from the version that I had mm-hmm. with this particular question. Because the reality is, is we have the same question as human beings today. Yes, we do. But think of the ramifications before you answer the question. Okay. What hope is there if I oppose God? What hope is there if I oppose God? In parentheses, who's God? Who's God? Okay, so what hope is there? Um, very little. Do you even have hope without God? I'm going to say yes. And I know you don't particularly care for that answer, but I can explain why I you say gotta yes. you got to qualify it I now. Gotta, i got to qualify it now, because for while we were still sinners, while we were his enemy, while we opposed God... Christ died for our sins. That's what Christ so there, did. So there is hope, but the hope has has a requirement. The only hope is in the faith that lies in Christ. So at one point in my life, I was opposed. I was an enemy of God. What made you change? Something had to make you change. There was a lot that made me change, but I changed my mind. So you were, and no, I put, lo- you were no longer an enemy? I put my faith in Christ. Where did if, he, if wait a second, if where did he come if there's from? N- if you opposed God, where did, where, did your, where did Christ come from? If you're in opposition to God, where did Christ come from? I'm not following the question, Is there not a connection between Jesus Christ and God? Mm Mm-hmm. But you oppose God. Right. Why would you accept Jesus Christ if you oppose God? There's a number of factors that came into play to change my mind. In my culture, is if you reject the Son, you reject the Father. If you reject the Father, you reject His children. But while we were still sinners, while we were his enemy, Christ died for us. Yes, he did it. So if, so if being in opposition to God means that there's absolutely no hope, then none of us have any. What changed your mind? That is much too long a story for our podcast today. There has what to I'm... be one critical thing that would change a person's mind who's opposed to God. They had to do something with the truth. Well, you I have to, I have to believe the truth. the truth. I have right. to believe the truth. I have to, underst- I have to know that there's truth, and I have to believe in that, and I have to put my faith in Christ. But what I'm saying 
is that if there is zero hope for anybody who's opposed to God, and we're all opposed to God until, well, until we come to that faith, mm-hmm. then there's no hope for any of us. Mm-mm. There is the hope that we might come to faith and find the true meaning of hope, now, if I find the true meaning and I choose to ignore that and I continue in opposition of God, now when it gets to the end of my life, I have sealed my fate. I have made my decision. And there is no longer any hope. I find it interesting the human beings have this question about what truth is. Mm-hmm. But yet, when they are faced with who truth is, some accept, most reject. Right. But yet, they're still seeking for the truth, even after they've denied the truth. Right. Can hope be truth? And not in the way that you're presenting it, I don't think. If we are supposed to put our trust in God, another word for that trust is what? We've seen it before in the Bible. Faith. Faith, but it's also called hope. Put your hope in God. Right. Put your trust in God, believe in God, have faith in God. Right. But you can talk to a person and show him who Jesus is, and they can walk away hearing the truth Mm -hmm. and giving up really the only hope they have. People do it every day. It's really sad when You've exhausted every question that they've had, and yet they still choose to take the road that they've chosen. Yep. Much like Job's friends. And there's no more to be said. You've said it all. He said it all. They've they've said everything. They've made every accusation against him. He's refuted every single one, denied every single accusation. They have absolutely no evidence or no reason to believe that he's actually done anything that they've accused him of. But they continue to accuse him. He continues to deny it. And he says, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. And in verse 35, he says, if only someone would listen to me. If only someone would listen to me. Look. Who's that someone? Who's that someone he's referring to? Well, if he's, he's talking to Bildad, he's, he's still, you, if only one of you would listen to me. But he's also saying. That's what he's saying. He, he's, he's saying, God, what's, listen, listen to me, God, tell me what I've done wrong. He says, if only someone would listen to me, I will sign my name to my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let the accuser write out the charges against me. I would face the accusation proudly. I would wear it like a crown. 
And uh, he said he would confess. Right. Which means he's willing to make a confession. Yeah. Which means he's willing to take the, the penalty. Yes, he is. But what's the condition? His accuser has to tell him what the offense is. Well, in 35, who has to really verify the offense? The Lord God Almighty. And who's the judge? The Lord God the Almighty. The Lord God Almighty yeah. is the judge. Okay, these guys may be prosecutors, mm-hmm. okay, but it's up to the judge. In our lives, guess what? It's up to the judge. But who stands in our defense? Christ stands in our defense. Christ stands in mediator. our defense. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a different translation on that one if you'll give me a moment because my Bible has a footnote on here. And uh, I, I want to read the translation because the footnote actually refers to, and I can't say I've ever seen this in another Bible. Um, the footnote is referencing a different translation. Really? Really. What's the translation is it referencing? It's referencing the New American Standard, the NASB. And so... Geez, I have some of those notes here, too. (laughs) (laughs) I I looked at that as one of the versions I looked at. All right, so 35 and 36 are the verses that I was reading. you got to include 37 as well. Sure, I'll include 37. Yes, thank you. All right. So starting in 35, Oh, that I had one to hear me. Behold, here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. So here's my signature. He's saying, I this, confess. This, is, this is my vow. Mm-hmm. This is my vow. Let God answer me. And the indictment which my adversary has written, so God, tell me what I've done wrong. Surely I will carry it on my shoulder. I will bind it to myself like a crown. For I would, well, I would declare to him the number of my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. So he's saying, I'll, I'll wear it. I'll carry that cross. That's actually what my footnote is. I'll carry that cross. <laughs> that's, that's what my footnote says, okay? It says, later, Jesus has his charges written out and nailed on the cross, which he carries on his shoulder to Golgotha while wearing a crown of thorns. Now, if that's not some pretty epic imagery right there. Mm-hmm. And in the uh, New Living that I've been reading out of, 37 says, For I would tell him exactly what I have done, and I would come before him like a prince. You know, the new living is nothing more than the living being revised. Are you right. aware of that? You want to find out what its predecessor said? Just out of curiosity? Sure. Okay. We're going to do 35 through 37, correct? Correct. 35 through 37. And this is, I, I love hearing from different translations. Now, if you were in my class... Yes. Okay. 
I've actually, I actually played Bildad in the play of Job. Okay. I have been an actor. <laughs> okay. So subsequently, I know the passion and the drama, okay, in which this book is written as a play. Okay. So I will read this much like I would read in my class. Okay. Okay, with Job speaking. And you have to understand that this is really personal. It is. It's incredibly personal. He has lost a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's suffered a lot. Mm-hmm. He's been attacked a lot over and over again. Yep. But one thing remains. His relationship with God remains. The whole mm-hmm. world has abandoned him, and, and everything has deserted him, and he has nothing left. But he has the one thing, the most important thing of all, his relationship with God. But and, and interestingly, that's the only thing in this that he has any control over. Yet, he is humble enough, and people don't see the humility in this. He's humble enough to say, well, maybe I've missed something. Okay? Right. And, I, and, and I'm open-minded enough that if I can be shown what I've missed, then I will bear the punishment and the burden. Okay, for that which God has found me not guilty, but unhappy with me. Right. Okay, so let me read this to you. Okay. This is standing, this stands out in in the living. It says, oh, that there was someone who would listen to me and try to see my side of this argument. Look, I will sign my signature to my defense. Now the Almighty God, show me that I am wrong. Let him prove, approve the indictments made against me by my enemies. I will treasure it like a crown. Then I would tell him exactly what I have done and why presenting my defense as one he listens to. Mm-hmm. Who presents our defense? Christ presents our defense. And who else does God the Father listen to? Nobody. No one else. Aren't you glad that Jesus is the one who intercedes for you. And no matter what you have done wrong, even though you deserve to wear that crown of thorns, mm-hmm. and even though you deserve to carry that cross, you do not have to because of the one who makes a defense for us. Mm-hmm. Do you know the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul later on, I don't know what Apostle Paul was thinking, but he must have been having a bad day. Do you, ever think, do you ever think that maybe, maybe people who represent Jesus Christ can have a bad day? Uh, yes. But Paul makes this confession. Okay. Paul said... I am the worst of sinners. Yes. 
Jesus has forgiven all my sins. Mm -hmm. And now I live my life in him. What does that say to us if we had to sum it up? How should we live our life in him? Completely. Totally. Totally. Knowing that we could be guilty, but we are no longer guilty Mm -hmm. because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and proclaims that we are now innocent. Yes. But the result of that is we, in our gratitude, need to walk humbly with the Lord all the days of our lives. And that's where we need to embody that Job 29 person. We need to find that within ourselves. We need to be that person who can, at the end of our life, say, and this, I just flipped back to it, and my eyes fell directly on this. For I am like a tree whose roots reach the water, whose branches are refreshed with the dew. And where do you find that also in the Bible as a starting psalm? The first, well, the first psalm first is where, psalm, is where my psalm. brain goes. Exactly um, right. There, there's also the new Jerusalem. There's new earth mm-hmm. in Revelation. There's trees there too. And the stream, the waters of life that flow from the throne. Mm-hmm. And fruit every season. Yes, fruit in every season. So that's uh, that's a lot just to get from 13 to 31. <laughs> it is. But you know what? It gets better from here on out. It does. It gets better. It does. I think we have one more friend that's going to have something to say. No, we're not going to listen to any more friends because this is the sequ- okay. this is the sequence of lessons for the remaining weeks while we still have a class. Okay. We're going from Job 31 to Job 38 in which God speaks about his power and nature to chapter 40 where Job talks to God where he has some questions. But the key to chapter 40 is verse 14 where it says, God says we have something to do with our being saved. Mm. Okay? Yep. God says we have something to do with our being saved And then it finishes, of course, with Job 42. And in Job 42, we find Job's confession. But also in Job 42, we find Jesus making a sacrifice. We see Job becoming priest and intercessor, intercessor, for those that deserve to be punished. But because of his prayers for those who don't deserve it, God withholds the rightful punishment for Mm -hmm. the accusations 
that these friends have made even wrongly about who God is. And it ends at the end with Job receiving an abundant blessing from God. Yes, it does. And when we finish up, the question is, are you receiving at your end the abundant blessings of God? Well, I look forward to that conversation because uh, there is a saying that I've heard and there's several different instances in the Bible that are very similar that uh, that this is a direct example of and I'm going to hold off on sharing that That's until fine. we get there but in the meantime I think we got to say uh, say goodbye for this week yes we do alright Steve thank you very much for coming in my pleasure I love having these dialogues with you, okay? <laughs> I had to go to a couple of years of seminary to be able to have this much challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it, too. And uh, just so everybody knows out there, we record this, we'd still be having the conversation, even without the recording. That's right. So they you, don't, you're they, just... They don't hear the pre-recording. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> They don't get to hear the pre-recording. We get rid of all of that stuff first. But uh, anyways, thank you very much for listening, and uh, have a blessed week. Good. See you next week.